Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. Hey there, hikers. Welcome to the podcast that gets to know the hikers behind the trekking poles. The podcast that asks the why questions of hiking. The podcast that takes me, Andy, still a relatively new hiker, and asks other hikers and outdoors persons, how has hiking changed them? And how are they changing the world around them? That's right. You're listening to The Hiker Podcast. The Hiker Podcast is brought to you by CS Instant Coffee and Canuck Outdoors. For the best instant coffee on the trail, get CS Instant Coffee. And for all your water storage needs and the best trekking poles you'll ever get. I'm just going to say it. I just said it. Canuck Outdoors. All the links for that are in the description of this episode or go to hikerpodcast.com. You go to hikerpodcast.com, you can find a bunch of different ways to listen to the Hiker Podcast, including Apple Podcasts, where you can leave an Apple Podcast review And that is a great way to help the show a review and rating. So the rating is the five stars. A review is you leave your thoughts. Let me know what you think. Um, Be nice, but be honest. You know, it's all good. Hope y'all are having a fabulous midwinter now. We're into February now. I am super excited for our next guest. Shalita Curtis is a aspiring triple crown hiker. She'll do it. I know she will. A writer, an influencer. And we had an amazing conversation. So I would encourage you all to sit back and relax to my conversation with Shalita Dragon Sky Curtis. So excited to have our next guest on, writer, dreamer. AT through hiker, aspiring triple crowner, Shalita Dragon Sky Curtis. Shalita, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on the show. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. I was like, so excited when you messaged me. We got to talk, and I'm like, yes. So just introduce yourself, who you are, where you come from, things people might want to know if you run into them on the trail. Okay, yes. So my name is Shalita Curtis. I am from New Jersey, born in Newark, raised down by the beach and everywhere. Um, And if you met me on trail, honestly, I am a unique individual. Um, I'm a traveler. I would probably just share my travels with you. I've been to China, Romania. Um, Just really excited to see the world, really adventurous person. (laughs) So growing up, in New Jersey, did you have a lot of exposure to the outdoors or were you mostly like I was a city kid? I, I didn't get out at all uh, growing up in near L.A. and Las Vegas. Were you in the outdoors at all trying to find your way out there or were you mostly hanging out in the city? So basically um, in Newark, New Jersey, which is a, a, the biggest city in New Jersey, um, there's no green space there. So when I was a kid, I didn't get to get out. I just saw all the concrete, you know buildings not much green space mostly trash um in south jersey um when i lived with my aunt and uncle for a short time there were pine barrens the pine barrens of new jersey everyone's heard about it the jersey devil who um like i would sometimes go like go in the past and stuff but nothing serious i didn't really discover hiking honestly until i guess it's two years ago now wow um when i went to harriman and then i went to arches and yellowstone out on the west and tackled the AT and that just kind of like really got me into it just honestly starting at Harriman to be honest just seeing the outdoors seeing mountains that were so close to me knowing that my state of New Jersey had mountains blew my mind I didn't know that until two years ago so that just tells you like whoa I really haven't been out to hike so this is all actually fairly fairly new for me but you're a very inquisitive individual. You've, you've traveled around the world. What what brought that on traveling to Europe and, and Asia? What brought that curiosity to go and, and see the world for you? Um, when I was in college, I went to Rutgers University, go Scarlet Knights. Um, 
and I studied Chinese actually. So I studied social work. That's what my degree is in. But I also wanted to learn Mandarin. Um, so I was studying uh, Mandarin for I think about three years, and I lived and studied in China for three months in Beijing, um, which was life changing. It was out of this world, and I actually did climb a mountain there. I think it's called Mount Tai, on hands and knees, sweating. Um, it was it was a great experience. I would love to go back and visit. And then I went to Romania, Cluj Napoca, which not a lot of people know about because Romania is a little tiny country. Um, you actually have to take like a little plane kind of in on the runway. Um, and I went there for eight weeks doing a social work intern, um, working with the Roma population. So I got to, you know, kind of explore the country, but also learn about autism, learn about trafficking, just like the social issues that were affecting Romania. And I volunteered at an orphanage for eight weeks working with the children there. So it was really like, awesome to be of help like i love to help others mm -hmm. and it was awesome to see i mean i never in my life dreamed of romania honestly like there's transylvania of course yeah. but i never <laughs> dreamed of it and you know drax castle i saw that it's great the pie is awesome but i've never honestly dreamed of romania it is a beautiful country and i'm just glad that i was able to do those two things while i was in college because i always wanted to see the world outside of america <laughs> So after college and, and after traveling, um, what was life like before the AT, before getting into the outdoors, before the pandemic? Life was very interesting for me. So my whole life, I kind of wanted to be a veterinarian, um, but I wasn't, a, I was never a math person. It's just not my thing. Um, so I was working as a vet tech. I had been trained in Texas, in Austin, Texas. I lived there for three years. And I came up and I was working as a vet tech in New Jersey um, with all types of animals, like ferrets, bunnies, you name it. Um, just living the life. I really loved what I did. I really loved working with the animals, but I felt like it wasn't what, like the only thing that there was for me, if that makes sense. Like there was something more and COVID happened and i'm really actually thankful that i did i lost my job during covid and that opened the door to where i am now um so it's a completely different world i honestly have retired from that from being a vet tech um but i don't have any regrets about it i'm just happy and grateful now that i get to hike so pandemic happens you know, like, it's like so many you lost your job, a um, lot of unknowns. And then you get into the outdoors, you, you see, you go to these national parks, you, what, what brought about this, this idea of going hiking and going on a long, very, very long walk on a very, very long and, and challenging trail like the AT. Okay. Yeah. So after I lost my job, I ended up having a panic attack just freaking out because um, I have anxiety disorder. So I had a panic attack. I was like, oh my God, my life is gone. Like my worth, all my worth I thought was, you know, as a vet tech. Um, so ended up going into treatment for it because I was like spiraling and ended up attending um, like outpatient group therapy for a few weeks. This is all virtual because, you know, COVID's happening. Um, and it wasn't really working for me when group therapy can work for me. And I was like, I need something more. And I had, re I had remembered that I think a few months before I had gone out with my ex-partner to Harriman and we were hiking. It was like some barn off in the distance and just like a mountain behind it. And we're walking on the trail. I have no idea what it was. I just saw a trail and I went on there like not prepared, no water and nothing. And uh, there's a guy and he's like, you know, you're, you're young ladies, you know, hello. He's just introducing himself. And he's like, you know, behind me is the Appalachian Trail. It runs from Georgia to Maine, about 2000 something miles. And I just sat there with my mouth ajar. Like, this is how, how is this possible? And how didn't I know about this? So I was fascinated or caught the AT bug as they say. Um, went and it just kind of came back to me when I was in therapy. Like, I remember what that guy said. It was like a light bulb went off about the AT. So I just started diving in, just diving in. I mean, I was looking at YouTube videos, seeing who was on there, watching videos, 
you know, reading articles on the track about it, how to prepare for it. And then I joined the Facebook groups. Um, and that kind of just set everything off for me, you know, um, because I had asked about my safety in the South hiking as a black woman after Ahmed was killed jogging by the three white men. And people were just disgusted. They were disgusted. Mm. They were upset that I was, you know, talking about politics and I quote in the Appalachian Trail Facebook group, the general group, which has like, I think 50,000 people. And I mean, people were messaging me just being nasty, like the root cause of poverty is this just things I don't even know what they're talking about. They're like, you don't have a dad. The trees don't see color. You know, you're not the only black person to hike the AT, all this stuff. And it just really started burning like a wildfire inside of me. And I'm like, well, this is Facebook. I can't go to Mark Zuckerberg. You know, I can't. I don't know how to get out of the situation or anything. So I just started writing <laughs> and I have never written. I mean, like I've writ written essays in college, you know, et cetera. But I just started writing and that article got cross published by the Appalachian Trail Conservancy in the Trek. And that kind of gave me the ammunition because I felt a passion for the AT. But at that time, I didn't know how I was going to do it because I had just lost my job. And I was like, well, most people are, you know, giving up their houses and all this stuff. And I'm like, how am I supposed to afford this? How am I supposed to get the gear? And so when the article went viral, I had like so many people coming to me, college professors for interviews, gear companies, people wanting me to write for them. And that gave me the ammunition and, and the tools to tackle the trail. Or else, honestly, I don't think I would have been able to do it because the trail, you know, is like five to $7,000, they say, to hike. Um, so it was just a miracle, honestly. It was just like, wow, it got published and it started these, prompted all these conversations around the world about this. And I got sponsored. And that honestly was the key. That was the key. <laughs> How do you respond to, I mean, Facebook groups are brutal. Um, but you had, you have, you know, obviously help with Ahmaud Aubrey, that, that was real and that, that has happened and systemic racism is real. And then, I mean, you have black people, people of color who can't even birdwatch without even get the police called on them. So you're, 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 you're putting forth genuine concerns and reality. Uh, how do you mm -hmm. respond to people who are really just have no ignorant or willfully ignorant? Honestly, that is something I'm still learning if I'm being truthful, because there's one thing like where people are like, okay, I guess ignorant in a sense, because I met hikers on trail who had never seen people of color until we got to New York. Cause I told them bear mountain, like, this is New York, this is New Jersey. You're going to see everyone. So there are people who are just like, I have never seen there were hikers from Wyoming and Connecticut, very white States who had never mm -hmm. seen diversity. So I'm okay. Like, okay, we can talk. People who were like wilf, willfully ignorant towards me, which I've had a lot of. Um, sometimes I honestly just find it best sometimes to walk away because it's like you can't, you can tell people like about your experiences and it just becomes a certain level where they just keep invalidating and validating and validating saying that's not true. You know, your race doesn't matter or people pointing in my face telling me that I'm a liar on trail for what I write about. You know, at that point, I mean, it's hurtful because I'm a human. I am a human. So it hurts, mm -hmm. but I really don't let it penetrate me. Um, I've learned to have a shell because at the end of the day, like all of my leaders, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, the Freedom Riders, etc. They all had to stand in the face of adversity and be peaceful. And so, yes, I will talk to people, but it comes a point where you can't get through to people. You just can't. So you kind of just have to back off or people are always going to say, oh, you're playing the race car. Are you getting handouts? All these things that have been said to me. And sometimes I really like what makes you feel this way or I'll ask someone, you know, like what makes you feel this way? Because I sometimes I don't even say anything to people on trail 
specifically on trail where this has happened and i'll be sitting and minding my business and some other hiker will come up like this happened at um angel's rest hostel there was a hiker out i was sitting out and there was a hiker that just came up to me and just started like why am i racist like my dad fought in the union and all this stuff and i was like i don't really want to talk about this right now you know because they were screaming at me and screaming at me so at some point i just had to get up and walk away and they were kicked out the hostel actually um for that um that's the only way i know how to do because arguing it just doesn't get anything solved and also i also will show people my writing if they want to learn more i am happy to share like my writing pieces because sometimes it gets very exhausting having to explain and explain and explain and explain and explain blackness. Yeah. I can't even imagine um, that just being your reality. Um, and then you, you get into, you know, the AT, I mean, you started Springer mountain, you're in, you're in Georgia, you're in the South. And mm-hmm. I was very ignorant until I spent some time in the South, you know, even though I, I'd grown up in Los, An- Los Angeles, you know, there was you know, Rodney King in the nineties that happened. I thought that was a one-off thing. And then I spent some time in the South. I'm like, Oh, wow. It's 2006 at the time. Racism is real. This is real. Wow. I had no idea. People just casually thought this way. And so you're at Springer Mountain, the South in the wilderness, a, a woman, a part of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. What, what was going through your mind? Honestly, at Springer, I was, I was overcome by happiness. So it didn't really hit me until like uh, I had a trail angel. She was so nice. She hiked with me up to the white first white blaze and I felt like I had someone. So I was all right. And then when I started walking, um, like hiking without her, I was like, oh man, I'm in the South. And like the, just like the story of Ahmed, like kind of floated through my head. You know, I think it was my first, I don't know. There was like a, a little parking lot. I don't know if it was by Pisgah or Cherokee. And there was just like this truck that pulled up with a Confederate flag and another truck that pulled up right by them. And they were just staring at me and at the table. And I have, at this point I have, I had uh, chicken and dumpling. I had other people who had known about me from social media with me. And I was like, I feel really uncomfortable right now. Like they're just staring at me and I'm like with them. And it's just like the reality hits that, okay, I'm not in New Jersey specifically North Jersey, because that's where the diversity is. I'm in Georgia. I'm not in Atlanta. I'm somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And it kind of scared me. And that's kind of why I wanted a tramley um, in the beginning, because I wanted to feel safe. I wanted to feel like, okay, if I walk and it's, it sounds bad, but one of my family members like kind of explained this to me when we were in Vermont because they were like, you know, at least you're with us. And it kind of made me feel bad because they're white and they're like, like a white shield. Like I'm, and it, that's, unfortunately, that's the reality of it. Like to have white hikers around me that are my friends, I felt safer than if I was alone in the South just because of the Confederate flags and the towns and the stairs. Um, Being a lesbian never really, I mean, I was out all through trail. Like that part of me, no one can tell that from looking at me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, But blackness, mm -hmm. you can see that a mile away. I just stood out, (laughs) just stood out. Um, It made me really uncomfortable. But at the same time, I was like, I don't want to give these people the power. You know, like this is my hike. And I kind of just kind of accepted it because at the same time, I'm 30 years old. I've been living in my skin in America. So it's not new to me. Like when people are shocked about racism, like I'm like, okay, I've been spit on. I've been called every name you can think of. Um, So it just got to me. But honestly, I let it roll off my shoulders and I, it's like, I'm going to do this hike. No matter people stare at me, no matter people follow me around, no matter people pull up with their Confederate flags or whatever, I'm going to do this. Pivoting a little bit here, um, getting on the trail, hiking, being in the wilderness, being in nature. Did you find, and I know it has been that way for me, that it was benefiting your, your, your mental well-being and your mental health and um can you talk a little bit about that and what the trail has done for you um, from a mental health point of view? 
Yeah, definitely. I am very, like, <laughs> very passionate about this topic, actually, because it affects me every day. Um, so, yes, I have um, depression, uh, treatment-resistant depression and anxiety. And so being on trail, honestly, the change jarred me because ch- sudden change I don't do well with. So, like, adjusting to the trail at first was a little rough for me, I would say, up until the Rhone Highlands. Um, just kind of getting into a regimen of like waking up, setting up my tent and stuff and like continuing to take my medication every day, um, continuing to use the coping skills that I learned in therapy. And so I felt like on trail, I was able to cope more than I would have coped in the matrix, the matrix being the world outside the forest. Um, simply because I wasn't plugged in. There's nothing I wasn't plugged into my phone like that except music. I wasn't dealing with the stresses of the matrix. I wasn't worried about like deadlines. I really wasn't. I just was able to be in the present, like touching the, the lush green ferns, hugging the trees, sticking my feet in the water. All these things kept me present. And I was able to practice a lot of mindfulness Um, which helped me a lot, like focusing on five things I see, five things I can taste, touch. Obviously, do not taste shrooms or anything out in the forest, you know. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if I had ramps or berries around, I would taste them, you know, just to bring myself back if I felt like I was getting, you know, too far in my head. Um, The music, I hiked with music the whole time in nature. It helped a lot with, like, I guess, creating an atmosphere, like folk music, lumineers, Mm Royal Republic. Um, it kind of like helped me immerse in my environment deeper because a lot of these songs, Lord Hera, Meet Me in the Woods, my favorite. Like it just puts me into like I'm in the woods, I'm free. Like I don't have to, I would be out of my head because I'm focusing on the lyrics and I'm singing to the birds. And like when I had really bad days, I would just scream off the mountain. I would throw sticks and rocks, you know, at the earth. But I was able to cope because I had less distractions and more sensory. I'm a very sensory person. And it seemed to soothe me a lot. I was able to, like, process thoughts better and clearer. Like, I would sit by the river. That was, like, my favorite thing. To, like, you know, you find a good tent spot right by the river and I would write. And if I was feeling a certain way, I would write, but I would just like give it to the, the river. I would just give all of like, if I was having worthless thoughts, I would give it to the river. If I was like, okay, I'm anxious. Why am I anxious? Give it to the river. And also hiking, like the physical act of releasing endorphins made me feel like the greatest, like, I guess, natural high to climb, let's say, Mount Adams or something and to get to the summit and your body's been just working and working and just seeing that reward always constantly seeing the reward from my labor really boosted my like depression because I felt like I had something to look forward to something to plan and it was like attainable so you continue on your hike um you get to Springer Mountain what was that feeling like for you getting up to Maine, getting up to Springer Mountain, I'm sorry, getting up to uh, Mount Katahdin? What was that feeling like for you completing your through hike, doing it your way in your timing? Um, can you describe what that completion felt like for you? Yes. So I actually have a weird story because I hiked from February 22nd of last year until November 17th. So I actually ended up flipping summit in Katahdin on October 5th. So it kind of, I feel like it changed my paradigm because the whole time you're literally like, I got to get to Katahdin, right? Katahdin's the grand prize of this. And when I got there to flip, I was kind of sad at first because I was like, well, this isn't the way I wanted my hike to go. I wanted to summit October 19th on my birthday, but that would only leave me with like a two day window in case they close the park, which they did. Um, So Katahdin, the day started out pretty rough. I woke up late as usual, (laughs) like nine o'clock. 
got my slack pack, stepped in some poop. It was great. Um, cleaned that off, ran, like just got my little slack pack bag and just started for the summit. Um, the first, I would say the first mile, which is really nice. You go, you know, the waterfall and everything. It was so beautiful. I think Katahdin was everything that I imagined and more. It was a combination of bouldering, like just like a little flat walks. You got your waterfalls, you got nice, just nice plants. And then you have that flat walk on the top. Like there's just a nice flat walk and then you ascend. And when I was going, I think my favorite part of it was like, there's a rebar. So you pull the rebar, like pull yourself up. And I just took a second to lean against this flat rock, literally off the edge. And I felt amazing. I was like, I cannot believe that I have spent you know, what was it, six months, at seven months at the time, walking over mountains, surviving swarms of mosquitoes, dealing with the worst storm I've ever dealt with in the Smokies. It was like I was on top of the world. I felt like a bird, like a free bird, looking down on the land and seeing the mountains in the distance, because you can always turn around, usually on the AT, usually, and look back and see the mountains that you've done. And I started crying. <laughs> I had a moment of crying. I was like, oh my God, like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm here. And it felt like a dream almost. Like it wasn't real, but it was. And so I kept going. And when I got to the top, there was no one there. Not a single person. Pristine blue sky, knife's edges just shimmering in the sun. It was gorgeous. The sign was just there. And so I'm going up and I'm like, well, I ran into my friend, uh, Fungi misdirection and so fungi um actually offered to take my picture because there was no one there to take my picture so he hiked i think he hiked because they were coming down they hiked 0.6 back with me to the sign to take my picture and when i touched the sign it was like i don't know i just just silence like the, there's no words that i can explain that feeling of touching that sign and knowing that my own two feet bruised battered rolled ankles <laughs> you know got me there and at that point after i touched the sign my focus changed to you know now it's completing the trail so it was different for me like it was really great but i still knew that I had to go southbound. So I knew that a new journey was beginning once I touched the sign. So go Katahdin, you, you go southbound, you, you complete the trail in November, um, but then you get off trail and you're back in the matrix. Mm -hmm. What was that transition like? Wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's rough. I mean, when I say rough, I mean my eyes are I'm I'm awake now. I feel like all this time I've been asleep, asleep in the world, not really knowing what life is about. So being on the AT, learning like, okay, life is for living, life is about freedom, life is about seeing mountains and making memories, sitting around fires with hikers, you know, telling stories. Coming back into the matrix, especially I came back to Philly. So that's rough. Um, being around just loud noises, I would jump all the time like a scared dog. Like every noise startled me. Um, I didn't understand why people were so mad, <laughs> you know. But then I realized I was like, they're not living their lives the way they want to. Mm -hmm. And it made me sad. It made me sad being in the Matrix, honestly, and seeing the world from a new perspective. 
seeing that people are just tied down to their jobs. Some of these people don't want to work these jobs. They're just trying to live. And I'm like, I don't want to just try to live. You know, I want to, I have to keep hiking. I just knew as soon as I came back, I was like, this is not for me. I'm like, I'm not into, I used to be like fashionista, have like literally 40 pairs of clothes. I'm like, I don't want this. I've donated them. I have dealt with depression. Um, That post-trial depression is real. Um, And it made me feel like I was in a funk. And I'm still kind of still recovering from it because it's only been honestly, what, November? So about maybe two and a half months ago, three just feeling in a funk, feeling like I don't belong here and feeling extremely fatigued, tired, lethargic, unmotivated were all the feelings that I felt. And because I felt so lonely, I actually reached out to other through hikers um, to help because they had been feeling the same way too. So that kind of helped me. Um, returning was to reach out to other hikers to know that I wasn't alone to know that you know yes this is really scary it's just as scary as us like when the trail dips into Hanover and you do like a three mile road walk right into the center of the town there and you're just like culture shock just people everywhere that's how it was it's like okay who are these people why are there so many people I actually have social anxiety now because of that like some part of it's the trail and then some part of it is like reintegrating into the matrix, which I'm really not trying to do, to be honest. I call it a temporary stay and then I'm back on the trail because I can't, I don't know. I just don't, I feel like a stranger in a place where I used to, a place I used to call home. And then I realized, you know, it's not real. Kind of like the matrix, like the real world is nature. We are all part of nature. That is our true home. The buildings, the walls, the cars. Like it all just made me sad because I'm like, this isn't nature. This isn't what I'm used to. I'm used to waking up and maybe the birds are chirping. Maybe the rain's pouring, but I'm still outside. I'm still in trees. When I'm waking up in a bed, I'm like, I'm in walls. I don't like this. I feel suffocated. And so I just take each day, literally one step at a time, and I'm in therapy because it's, it can, like, the depression can get pretty, pretty bad when you just feel like you don't belong anymore. Because you formed this family of thru-hikers. In a society, like, trail life and matrix life are completely different. And trail, we're always helping each other. I would say it's more socialist. Like, you can do work for stays at the hostels. You see another hiker who doesn't have water, guess what? We're going to share our water with you. You need food? We're going to give you extra food if we, you know, you need it. You need an extra battery charge. I got you. And in the matrix, it's not like that necessarily. Mm. So I just miss it. But at the same time, I feel like I did the trail justice. Like I didn't rush through it to where I'm like, oh, like I wish I had more time. I feel like I have no regrets and I feel like the depression isn't as bad as it could be because I feel like I've fully got to experience the Appalachian Trail through four seasons at my own pace. Which not a lot of people get to do. They try to go as fast as they can and, you know, just get it done and get the katan and not really take it in and enjoy it, which, you know, hearing your story, it's like, wow, just to be able to experience all four seasons along the Appalachian Trail is just sounds epic in and of itself. Since it's gorgeous it's gotta, <laughs> it's gotta be my goodness since you've gotten back and uh, following you on instagram now you've made it your mission to continue to diversify the outdoors and make the at more accessible and i mean I, i've been very open about this on on the show i mean the, the outdoors is very straight white male cisgendered that's what we see in advertising that's what we see a lot of the gear companies that's changing and they're amazing people who are doing amazing work. Um, mm-hmm. What, I mean, they're, 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 take your pick, but what are you hoping to see change in the outdoor industry and see more of or see less of um, in general or specifically um, 
to make the outdoors more accessible for every person, everybody, despite who they are, where they come from, who they love, the color of their skin. To make the outdoors accessible for the hiking industry, honestly, like some companies I feel like already do this. Um, they give gear to like say black people who hike outdoor afro etc six moons is one of those companies um who consistently work with you know different people that are outside the white male cisgender box um and helping especially with gear because that's very expensive in its own so I feel like that there is a barrier. I wrote, you know, I wrote about this, the barrier to having access to, and I'm not just saying like bad gear, like quality gear is an issue. And that prevents a lot of people, especially black and brown people from accessing the outdoors. In conjunction with that, I feel like I would like to see more grants for hikers um specifically yes bipoc i know backpacking light does that they have a diversity grant and that's a great step in the right direction but i wish that more companies would adopt that you know lgbtq hikers people of color people with disabilities you know people who don't fit that narrative and in general just speaking you know talking about these issues reflecting it reflecting diversity in your staff is important um i feel because some companies i've noticed like they'll be like oh i'm pro bipoc but no one on your staff Mm -hmm. is of color so you're not practicing what you preach and that's problematic another issue especially i feel is compensation um especially especially for black voices um in the industry um people now that it's black history month for instance there's companies coming out of everywhere yeah wanting hi you're black oh yeah it's time Mm -hmm. to be black now no it's not it's been time to be black every day every day i'm black it doesn't stop Mm -hmm. it doesn't stop in february this is not the time where you go and approach Black creators, Black influencers, Black athletes, Black writers, et cetera, for their time with no compensation um, because we also have to live. In order for us to, like, especially, like, I want to diversify the outdoors. I need to be able to, A, have the gear, which I do, but I do need the money, too, because you can have all the gear in the world, but it won't get you through the trail if you don't have the funds. So just like compensation, if you're asking for services, if you're asking for an IG live, if you're asking, you know, all these promotion stuff, compensate us. We are creators. We, our work is valuable. Our voices are valuable. And we shouldn't be doing anything for free, especially because People want us to tell our like perspectives, which can be traumatizing, you know, to have to talk about, oh, X, Y, and Z experience happened to me and to just keep talking about it and keep talking about it. It can be like emotionally scarring. It can be emotionally damaging. So it's just that those are my three things. Gear, making gear more accessible, or four things, grants, scholarships, reflecting diversity in your staff and compensating especially black voices, black athletes. Going forward now, you're, I've heard you talk about wanting to do, do the triple crown. Mm-hmm. What, what is the, what is that looking like for you now? What, what's, what's the next steps to the triple crown or your next hike, or just, you know, continuing to advocate for diversifying the outdoors. What's next for you? So next for me, I have the Continental Divide Trail in April, um, and that is going to be awesome. It is, go, instead of doing the PCT, like most people do AT, PCT, CDT, um, I chose to do CDT because I went to Arches in Yellowstone, as I mentioned before, and 
honestly, like the Tetons and Yellowstone just blew me away. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to do this. And I had heard of the fear mongering, you know, people and the fear and the grizzlies and all these things in New Mexico and the water and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm scared. Let's do this then. Like I, I, when I see fear, I face the fear. I do not run from the mountains. So that is why I specifically chose the CDT because I'm scared the most of it. I'm scared the most of it. And also I know the mountains out there are huge. They're beautiful. They're glacial. They're like mountains I've never seen anywhere else on earth, like in America, because I just started this hiking stuff. Um, and preparing for that is fun because I really haven't really dug into my deep stuff yet. Like I've looked at like gear list and stuff, but I already have the gear pretty much I need minus the ice axe, the snowshoes. Um, and I want to learn like compass navigating, even though you don't necessarily need it. I've heard mm-hmm. um, it's just something I want to be able to do going forward in general. It's just a good skill to have. Um, so I am hoping to leave in a bubble versus the AT where I was solo um, because of COVID and everything and the the CDT being more remote. I kind of want to have someone especially going through the San Juans. Um, So I'm really excited about that. And Derek Lugo is also doing the CDT. So probably going to hike together. So that's going to be awesome. I I love Mr. Fabulous. He's awesome. Mr. Fabulous is great. I first met him in Hot Springs um, last year. He wanted to meet me. We did the interview, the Instagram live together, and we just had fun. And I was like fan geeking, <laughs> just fan geeking. And now we're friends. So we're going to do this. We're, we're doing this together. And so that makes me really even more excited because I already have people that I know are starting twerking in the dirt. He's like starting to. So I already have people that I know which makes me feel much more secure. And then I have my book, which is with an agent. I am working with my agent right now um, to get that out to publishers, which is a huge step having an agent. So I'm really, really looking forward to getting my book out, which the title right now, I changed the title. It's Mountains by Moonlight, which highlights my journey with mental illness and also it integrates the Appalachian Trail, kind of like Wild. If you've read Wild by Cheryl Strait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of like Appalachian Trail and then like this whole story of my life up to now. And I'm really, really excited to share that because it will help so many people around the world. And other than that, just writing, writing articles for Garage Grown Gear <laughs> doing uh i was writing for them before so i'm still writing for them now that's awesome now you do have uh, a youtube channel which i found which i love your youtube videos um you have a patreon people can support you where can people go if they want to find all that stuff to be able to support you and support you on your way and and um support you as a creator yeah so my youtube is i am dragon sky um also, if you follow me on Instagram at I underscore am underscore dragon sky, I have a link tree, which links all my articles and Patreon, everything, email, contact, podcast, all on that link tree. If you're already a follower, um, Patreon, I have, it is, I am dragon sky. Also, I underscore am underscore dragon sky. Those are my three my three uh, social media platforms that I majority, but I majority use Instagram because I really, really enjoy Instagram. <laughs> uh, but that's how you can follow me. And I plan on making a Appalachian Trail documentary, which I have. I've hired a video editor to work on. So definitely stay tuned for that as well. Awesome. And Shalitha, I like to ask every guests on here how has hiking in the outdoors changed you hiking in the outdoors has changed me as a whole i feel like i am no longer the person i was i am dragon sky now i am more confident having have hiked as a solo woman literally 
except 300 miles of the trail, I have learned to depend more on myself. I've learned to be my own voice of reason, to trust my gut, my intuition. I've learned that life is really, it's mine to, to live as I want. And it's about chasing mountains and the mountains have made me stronger. They have taught me that no matter what mountain comes my way, no matter how big they are, no matter how rough the terrain is, then I can tackle it and I can tackle anything because I've done the AT. I have found who I am. I have found my purpose and I am a better person because of it. I am much more patient <laughs> and less like I'm just able to appreciate and be more grateful for the little things, the sun, the rain, I'm able to just love it all. And that's what I've learned. Honestly, the biggest thing on AT is just how to love myself unapologetically. And by walking in my truth, I am able to shine light to others. Dragon Sky, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story and being open and honest and vulnerable with, with me and the listeners. Um, know that when you get to the PCT, you have a trail angel waiting in Ashland, Oregon. When you cross the California into Oregon border, who's down to whatever you need. The trail community Yay. in Ashland will be here to help you as well as myself. I'll be there waiting for you at Callahan's. So thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to see where the trail takes you in the future. Yeah, thank you so much, Andrew. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Shalita, for coming on the show. We had an amazing conversation. I think we could have talked for another hour. Um, make sure you are following her on Instagram. You are subscribed to her YouTube channel. And you know what? Support her on Patreon. Every little bit helps. And to be able to support creators and, and, and hikers and, and what they do is, is so important. And um, just, yeah, go out there and um, subscribe, follow and um and support everything do do all the things do all the things do all the things and share this episode with all your friends of course again i do want to thank our sponsors uh we do have a new sponsor coming on here um i think next week sawyer is back sawyer products will be back uh we'll be doing some mid-roll ads i want to prepare you for that now so between um my intro and the interview we'll have a um a little intro a little, little ad talking about sawyer Sawyer keeps you outdoors, of course. Um, they uh, have the Sawyer Squeeze water filters, which so many through hikers use. Uh, and, of course, uh, all the different insect repellents for your clothing, for your gear, uh, and for your body that help you um, stay on the trail, keep you away from ticks, also sunscreens, all, all kinds of stuff. And I'm super excited to be working with Sawyer again. So look for that next week. Any sponsors that are on the show, of course, are... Um, I've been vetted and also our products I already use. Um, I was using C, I was drinking CS instant coffee. I was using the carbon fiber cork trekking poles and I've obviously used Sawyer before they were sponsors on the show and I'm super excited to have them back. So if you want to uh, get a hold of me, the best way to do it is email, um, go to hikerpodcast.com for my email. Also follow me on the social media. Uh, also all of our archives are at hikerpodcast.com. You can look at all the episodes there and yeah, I just want to thank you all for taking the time to listen this week all the way through. You all are amazing. And, you know, it's really tempting. And I talked about this a little bit on my Instagram this week. In, in, in this culture, you know, we want to be successful. We want to do all the things. And hiking has really forced me to slow down. Even with the last few weeks um, with, you know, things going crazy for me i've had to really just take some time and slow down uh, so often we're, we're told that you know you have to hustle 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 and hustling and hard work there's nothing nothing wrong with hard work at all but this idea that we have to hustle and hustle and you know wake up at 4 a.m go to bed at midnight it's not good for our mental health it's not good for our physical health it's not good for our relational health and i have found taking that time to rest 
taking that time to go in the wilderness by myself and hike and just sit, not just to make content, but to just sit by a river, by a stream, by a waterfall and just listen. It's amazing. And it's some of the most productive time for me because it causes me to reset. So I would encourage you this week, find somewhere if you are able in the outdoors, um, outside a green space, maybe you're in the desert, a desert space and sit and reset for your mind, for your body, for your soul, for your relationships. With that, guys, make sure you do all the things. Um, you can also check out my YouTube channel. All those links are in the description of this episode. And uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hiker Podcast. <laughs>